Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. And for this week, before we begin, I get a mazel tov. Um, if you remember a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I would be taking a exam, a faher, as it's called in Yiddish, with one of the rabbis from the Lakewood Yeshiva. And last week, I passed that test. And thank God, I'm a step closer to my goal. So, before we begin this episode, as always, if you want to reach out to say Mazel Tov, maybe you want to even see a picture of the card I got from the rabbi in Lakewood Yeshiva, or just to say hello, introduce yourself, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha is Parsha Shemos. And... We're beginning the second of the five books of the Torah. It's the book of Shemos, and this week's parsha is Parsha Shemos. And I have a few ideas that I wanted to share with you this week from the parsha. I'm actually going to be breaking one of my quote-unquote rules, but I guess rules are made to be broken sometimes, that there's a few ideas which focus in on one part of the parsha, which I want to share with you. Usually I like to give two separate ideas from two separate points of the parsha. But for this week... In this week's episode, I decided, I made sure it was okay with the higher-ups, that I should just do two ideas from the same point in the Parsha. I think they're going to be okay with it. If you don't hear episode next week, you'll know what happened. And just before we begin with the overview of the Parsha, I wanted to lead in to the book of Shemos, the book of Exodus, with a beautiful idea which I saw from Rabbi Tversky. Rabbi Tversky explains that the book of Shemos starts off with everything going good for the Jewish people. And slowly, Yosef dies, Joseph passes away, the brothers pass away, and slowly but surely, the situation starts to change. The Jews are living in Mitzrayim in Egypt very comfortably. They're doing well. They're very successful. And the Parsha tells us about this new king that arises in Egypt, right? A new paro. It's a question exactly what that means. Was it somebody who forgot Yosef or was it actually a new king? But either way, we see that the Egyptians become threatened or they feel that they're threatened by the Jews and their attitude towards them changes. And slowly, they begin to become enslaved to the Egyptians. And over the next bunch of weeks, the Parshas are going to tell us how the Egyptians you know, paying the Jewish people and how the situation seems to deteriorate. And finally, at the, at the you know, when we're going to get to a point where Moshe is going to come, Moses is going to come and start the process of liberation of bringing the Jews out of Egypt with the miraculous God will perform the miracles of the 10 plagues and bring the Jews out to the crossing of the sea and eventually to accepting the Torah on Har Sinai. It's not a coincidence that actually the first mitzvah that's given in the book of Shemos is the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. To set up a calendar, to have a system where everything runs on time. And we know in Judaism, our calendar goes after the moon. That based on the moon cycle, that's how our months are determined. And we know when it comes to the moon, the moon waxes and wanes. 
meaning it gets brighter and then darker and brighter and darker. And there's a connection between this mitzvah of sanctifying the new moon, of setting up a calendar, of this idea of the moon becoming bigger and brighter and smaller again and again bigger and brighter to the actual story of the book of Shemot, to the book of Exodus. Because if you look at the book of Exodus, what happened? Come into it, the Jews, everything's going good. Slowly, things take a turn for the worst. And then after that, after they go through this experience of Egyptian bondage, they come out with miracles and accepting of the Torah, and we become a people. And everything turns out amazing. And this is the connection between the mitzvah of the new moon, the setting up a calendar, and the story of the Jewish people in the book of Shemos. And really, if you think about it, the history of the Jewish nation follows this same pattern. We go through periods of great light, great accomplishment, and slowly things take a turn for a worst. It seems as if there's great darkness. And again, another stage, another era of great light and great achievement. And the lesson that we could take out from the book of Shemos and from the cycle of the moon and we could apply in our own lives is that God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. And for whatever reason, sometimes we have to go through these cycles of light and dark. And many times, we come out even stronger than we were before. But one thing we need to remember is that even if things seem dark, it's only temporary. The period of light is about to come, right? We know that we don't see the moon doesn't mean that the moon's never coming back again. It's just going to take a few more days, and then the light of the moon will shine bright. So too in our own lives, when we face challenge, when we face something that's hard, and it seems like darkness, despair, we have to realize that it's really temporary. And really even more than this, Rav Nachman of Breslov, the great Hasidic master, he says that Ein Giyosh Ba'olam, there is no such thing as hopelessness because hopelessness is not a real feeling. There's no such thing as hopelessness. We might seem things don't seem to be going well. It seems like it's dark, but we have to remember that the light is going to come soon. Just to give a quick overview of the Parsha, Parsha Shemos starts off with the generation that came down to Egypt, Yosef and all the brothers passing on. Paro and the Egyptians start to hate the Jewish people. They devise a plan to try to kill every Jewish male boy. The Parsha also tells us about the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu, as well as how Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, is saved by the daughter of Paro being raised in the royal palace. After a turn of events, Moshe Rabbeinu has to flee to the land of Midian, where he marries the daughter of Yisro, Tzipporah. Being a shepherd for his father-in-law, one day Moshe Rabbeinu finds a burning bush. The bush is burning, but yet it is not being consumed. And God comes to Moshe in a prophecy, commanding him to go back to the land of Egypt to redeem and liberate the Jewish people from Paro and from the slavery in Egypt. Moshe at first is hesitant, but God reassures him that he will be the one to take the Jewish nation out of slavery. The Parsha continues with Moshe listening to God's command and together with his brother Aaron, they approach Paro 
to ask him to let the Jews leave. The first idea I wanted to share with you today takes us to the prophecy that Moshe has by the burning bush. Now, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was out shepherding the flock of his father-in-law, and he sees this bush that's burning, but yet it's not being consumed. And the Torah tells us, Vayar malach Hashem elov bilibas eish mitoich hasneh, Vayar vihine hasneh boyer beish vasneh einenu ukal. An angel of Hashem appeared to him in a blaze of fire from amid the bush. He saw, and behold, the bush was burning in the fire, but the bush was not consumed. Vayomer Moshe, Asura no veeres amares agodol hazeh madua loivarasneh. Moses thought, I will turn aside now and not look at this great sight. Why will the bush not be burned? Meaning Moshe Rabbeinu knew that something special was going on and he didn't want to look. Vayar Hashem kisar liroiz vayikrei lo velokim mitoch asneh vayomer Moshe Moshe vayomer hineni. And Hashem saw that he turned aside to see and God called out to him from amid the bush and said, Moshe, Moshe. And he, and he replied, Here I am. Vayomer al tikrav haloim shal naalecha me'al raglecha ki amokom asher atahomeid alav admas kodeshu. He said, Do not come closer to here. Remove your shoes from your feet for the place upon which you stand is holy ground. And the parsha continues. Vayomer anochi elohei avicha elohei avram elohei yitzchak elohei yaakov vayaster Moshe panav ki yore mahabit el elokim. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face for he was afraid to gaze towards God. Now the first thought I want to bring down takes us to the beginning of the episode of the burning bush. The Pusik tells us, Hashem, God, tells Moshe Rabbeinu, take your shoes off of your feet because the place which you are standing is holy ground. Now, the Chavetz Chaim teaches us two important lessons from this verse. You know, many times in life, we're in certain situations and we feel that it's not suited for spiritual growth. It's, it's challenging. And we'll always say that there's different factors, possibly, holding us back from achieving true greatness. We'll say, oh, you know, on one hand, we say that there's certain things holding us back. There's certain things that are blocking us from achieving our true goals. And on the other hand, we tell ourselves that, you know, when, when we're in a better situation, when I have peace of mind, when I have, uh, you know, everything I need, then I'll be able to study Torah and do the mitzvot and achieve my spiritual uh, goals. And the Chavetz Chaim tells us from this Pasuk that Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbeinu a very important lesson. Number one, Sha'al na'alecha me'al raglecha. Take off the shoes from your feet. Ki ha'makom asher ata'omeda love admas kodeshu. Ki ha'makom asher ata'omeda love admas kodeshu. Because the place you are standing is holy. Uh, what is the job of shoes? Why do we wear shoes? The reason why we wear shoes is because it protects our feet. But at the same time, it's a separation. Shoes are separating us from the ground. And Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbeinu, take off the shoes. The land you're standing on is holy. It's not respectful. We know that in the temple, the Kohanim, the priests, were not allowed to wear shoes. And commentaries explain the different reasonings for that. But the point is that it's a, 
It's a mechitza. It's a separation between us and the holiness. And the message that Hashem was giving Moshe Rabbeinu here is he's telling him is it's upon you to take away the barriers between me and you. You know, a person can't say to himself, expect that, you know, um, God is just going to come to them and, and make everything work out the way he wants. It's rather, it's incumbent upon us to do what we can to take away the separations that we have in our lives to getting closeness to Hashem. That's what's representative of taking off the shoes. Take off the shoes, meaning you, Moshe, you have a responsibility to get rid of that separation to get closer to me, to God. Another point which the Chavetz Chaim brings out from this Pasuk is that Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, The place you are standing on is holy. And this takes us to this point that many times we'll say to ourselves, when I have more time, I'll do more mitzvot, I'll learn more, I'll take pay more attention to my spiritual life. Or maybe the situation I'm, uh, that I'm in now is not ideal for me to, uh, to work on that side of myself. So the Pusik's telling us here is, no, that's the wrong way of looking at it. And there's an expression that, you know, the holiest place is right here. And the holiest time is now. And that's what the Pusik is telling us. That's what Hashem's telling us. That the place which you are standing on right now, that's holy. That every person, wherever we find ourselves, in whatever stage in life we are, wherever we are, whoever we are, wherever we're standing, God put us in that place. And it's an opportunity for us to make it holy. Meaning the ground that we're standing on this moment is holy. And we have the opportunity to bring that holiness out. And that's our job. We shouldn't think that the holiness is only in the land of Israel and it's only for people who are religious and it's only for it's only for certain types of people. No. Every person has the ability to tap into the connection to Hashem. And every place we are standing, whoever, wherever you are, is an opportunity to grow to thrive, to become closer. And it doesn't make a difference where you are. We all have that opportunity. And that's the message which Hashem was telling Moshe Rabbeinu that wherever you are in life, that's going to be holy ground. And we have to keep that in mind wherever we find ourselves. You know, sometimes I deal with people and for whatever reasons, they're not able to come to Shul. You know, I'm not you know, talking about people that don't really have a good excuse not to come to show. But people who have a good excuse, they have family obligations. And there's one friend of mine that I tell him, said, this is what Hashem wants from you right now. You, you could daven in your house, but He wants you to take care of your family. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. It's not coming to the minion. Obviously, when you're, when you're able to go, you should go. But my point is, is that he's in a situation for him the situation is that he needs to take care of his family. And therefore, it's holy for him to do that. Wherever we find ourselves, whatever situation we're in, we have the ability to uplift it and to make it holy ground. There's a second very deep idea which I wanted to share with you, also from the episode of the burning bush. We see 
that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he sees the burning bush, he turns away. But yet, what does Hashem, what does God answer Moshe Rabbeinu? He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, the question could be asked is how did Hashem answer Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe turns away, and Hashem says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's the connection here? The commentaries tell us that the burning bush, which was a thorn bush, is representative of a person who doesn't have Torah and mitzvot. Thorn bush doesn't have any fruit. It's barren. And seemingly it's good for nothing. And Moshe Rabbeinu, what did he see? He saw this fire inside the thorn bush. It was burning. But yet the thorn bush didn't come engulfed in flame. It didn't glow. And Rabbi Tversky brings down from his grandfather, Rav Muttel, that during the Inquisition and many times throughout our history, we see that even totally assimilated, totally secular Jews who had nothing to do with their religion gave up their lives to be a Jew. And it's not just the Inquisition. There's stories in the Holocaust of people who didn't seem that they were religious at all, but yet they stood up for the religion and they gave their life for the name of Hashem. And really the question is begged to be asked is where does this strength come from? You know, it's one thing if you think of somebody who's very observant, very religious, to hopefully, God willing, have the power to sanctify their life for the name of God. But somebody who's maybe even anti-religious, and, and is totally irreligious and secular, we see many, countless stories of Jews who gave up their life for the name of Hashem, for the name of God. Where did they get this strength? He brings down that when Moshe Rabbeinu was looking at this burning bush, he couldn't figure out how, at the same time, there's a fire within, but yet it's not being consumed. It's not coming out. And the commentaries explain that within each and every Jew is this nucleus, this fire that yearns for this connection to Hashem, for the connection to God. It's referred to in Yiddish as the pintala yid, the spark inside each yid. And he compares it to the molten lava which is at the center of the earth. We all know that deep down under the ground, in the center of the earth is this boiling hot lava. And it's constantly pushing, pushing, pushing up to come out. But us, on the surface, we don't see it. We don't even recognize that it's there. But yet at the right moment, it comes shooting out of a volcano. And that's similarly inside each and every Yid, each and every Jew. And Moshe Rabbeinu had a hard time understanding this. He said, how could it be that this person that we're referring to, the bush, which is a person of devoid of mitzvos, of Torah, could still have that fire within him? And Hashem was answering him that inside of each and every Jew 
is this nucleus that comes from the from their fathers, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, by every Jew by birth and every Jew by choice. That deep down inside them, implanted from our forefathers, is this desire to connect. And Rav Shneir Zaman of Liadi teaches us that what is the way that we make this nucleus shine forth? How do we make the molten lava come out? How do we push it out to the surface? The spark, how do we engulf it into a bright flame? Is by connecting to the source, which is the Torah. That when we connect to the Torah, we make the light inside of us brighter and brighter. And it's only the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, which tricks us by making us think that we can be good people and not connect to the Torah. We don't have to be connected to the source in order to get close to God. He tricks us. But yet when the choice comes for a Jew, whether it will be forsaking God or giving up their life, the trick is over. It's clear. And that spark knows the right answer. And that's why we see that even if the most secular and the most people are furthest away are able to give up their lives in the name of Hashem. And the lesson that Moshe Rabbeinu was getting from Hashem at that moment and that we can take out from this is that there's a force within us that strives to unite with Hashem, to unite with God. And it's inside. It's there. We just have to bring it out, maybe fan the flame to connect ourselves to that source, which is Torah, mitzvos, And that's the way we get to true peace of mind. That's the way we get to happiness. Because as long as we're not connecting in the way that we're supposed to, the fire is not going to be fed. And we need to recognize this, that any yid, that every Jew has this power to ignite this flame. And by connecting ourselves to the Torah, to the mitzvos, to Hashem, that's how we bring it out to fruition. So that's going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. Have a great day.